Welcome everybody to the latest episode of The Haunted Hacker. I think this is like uh, episode 27, I think. Um, cruising right along. Tonight we have Rick, who's going to talk to us about uh, super yachts and shenanigans. Um, before we get started, talk about a little bit of news real quick. Um, big news, Colonial Pipeline, gas pipeline got attacked with ransomware. And they had to shut down the entire pipeline, which supplies most of the gas, petrol to the east coast of the U.S. So more, uh, more big attacks on infrastructure, and uh, we'll see what happens from here. Um, back during Obama's administration, uh, he made a, a statement, a really bold statement, where he said that any attack on the critical infrastructure is an act of war. So we'll see how the current administration upholds that. Anyways, other than that, let's get started. Um, so I met Rick in Edinburgh um, back during one of my, um, my talks at Edinburgh University at, at uh, Napier. Um, it was really cool. So the, the, the venue over there is really neat. Um, you can literally see the castle in Edinburgh from the college, from the university. And uh, the university where you speak is actually, it looks like a, a huge um, alien ship, like an egg, like a huge egg. That's uh, kind of cool. Anyway, so met him there. I talked about um, some security stuff, had a couple of clients at the, at the pub and talked about super yachts. Um, and that's when my eyes got really big and my ears got perked up uh, because I had never thought of that as a, uh, a source of revenue or an attack surface or anything above shipping, yes. Navy, Department of Defense, military, yes. But super yachting was something that really caught my attention. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to introduce Rick. And Rick, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and, and what brought you up to this current point? Hey, Mike, uh, everyone here tonight. Thanks for having me on the show. It's an honor honored to be here tonight. Um, so I, I started off in uh, telecoms uh, 20 odd years ago. Um, so my, my background is Cisco and uh, I've worked through various industries uh, such as finance, working in London through some of the, uh, the big banks there, uh, looking after their global networks. Um, you know, London Stock Exchange, etc., um, and that really gave me a good insight into uh, to how these global networks are operating nowadays. And uh, 15 years ago, you know, it, it's amazing that these banks have all got their own um, internet, effectively, which uh, basically throwing money around the lights, money around the world at light speed. So uh, yeah, looking after those networks, that's where I applied my trade for. Uh, um, telecommunications and networks, became a Cisco engineer. Uh, in 2008, we had the uh, credit crunch, of course, and um, I ended up working in a, in a hospital for a while, so I got some exposure on the uh, public services side of life in uh, the UK, which was a big night and day compared to uh, finance, uh, especially with the uh, consequences of making a, a, you know, screwing up the network. In finance, you're going to cost maybe millions of dollars. You know, if you bring the network down in the hospital, you, you could cost somebody's life. Um, needless to say, I ended up in uh, working in Aberdeen in uh, oil and gas, 
Um, and that's where I got into the satellite business and to the maritime sector. So looking after, again, global networks for these um, satellite operators, uh, especially in the oil and gas business. And um, yeah, did that for five years, worked for the client. We looked after maybe five big oil ships around the globe. No, sorry, 15 uh, of these big uh, drilling ships around the globe. And uh, got lots of travel, got really involved with the, the, the maritime side of things. Um, got more involved in the satellite side of things, network security, that kind of stuff. And of course, 2015, we had the um, the price of oil crash. So places laying off and uh, ended up LinkedIn, best thing in the world, best tool in the world for, for getting jobs these days. Um, the company that brought me to where I am now in Mallorca, um, gave me a shout on LinkedIn. So we love your profile. Do you fancy moving to Palma from Aberdeen? I said, <laughs> ah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so no, I jumped at the chance to do it. And that's where I was getting more involved in the, the network security. Did my uh, master's in cybersecurity as well. And um, yeah, two years ago, quit the, quit the day job after seeing a bit of a niche. Well, obviously the, the job in Mallorca brought me into contact with the yachts. And that's how I'm, uh, you know, working in that particular sector. So, um, yeah, after, you know, a few years working there, applying to a trade again as a, as a network engineer with more of a focus on security, I decided to take the leap with uh, a few colleagues and, um, yeah, start a business in cybersecurity in the yachting industry. Because until recently, it's been completely on. Well, unheard of, and still is trying to get people to understand cybersecurity is uh, is a job. So that's that's kind of where I'm at now, and uh, what's brought me here. Very cool. So yeah, the uh, I I spoke to you a couple times on the um, the A crew conferences and, and security talks, which was really cool. And it really got my my brain ticking. Um, so I was thinking about it this morning approaching a, a super yacht and how, how would I go about compromising it and, and, and what steps would I take, you know, to board that, that super yacht if I had to. Um, so I started going through all the systems in my head, you know, the, the sat nav, the navigational system, um, you know, the security system, camera system, um, all those types of things, you know, maybe, maybe you can walk us through uh, what a super yacht entails as far as like, the technology on board and, and, you know, some of the, the entry points that someone would, would have with those systems. Yeah, definitely. I mean, first entry point is, uh, it's not even technical. It's, uh, the crew. Um, so, you know, if you can social engineer your way onto uh, a yacht, then, you know, that that's 50% of the work done. Um, but the systems we're looking at on board, uh, Wi-Fi systems, um, this, you know, the number of access points that these yachts have on board to give a good guest experience, amazing. And usually they've, uh, if you go into a marina and uh, anywhere where there's big yachts, you'll usually find if you switch your phone on, scan for the wireless networks, you don't even need to look up online where the, the yachts are. Your phone will tell you by their wireless networks because they'll have yacht name, crew, yacht name, owner, yacht name, ships network for example so like okay that's great um 
you know, that, that's not too much of a risk in itself, but it does bring unwanted attention to the yacht straight away. Um, on top of that, you've got the AV systems on board, so the entertainment systems, um, you know, libraries and libraries of uh, films. Um, you've got the networks themselves on board. So that's really the IT piece. And then going into the OT piece, your operational technology side, which is the bit that gets overlooked uh, more than ever. You know, you, like you said there, you've got the navigation systems, what they call Lectis on board. The, this system can you, um, coordinates with the autopilot on board. You've got the GPS, you've got radar, you've got engine propulsion, you've got stabilizers. So there's many different systems. Maybe they, they don't all connect to the internet. Some yachts will have systems that connect to the internet. Some will have, you know, nothing at all. One or two systems, maybe it's just for remote monitoring, but it's, uh, yeah, there's a whole ecosystem of systems that can be compromised and you only need to get one or two of these systems to make life at, at best uncomfortable you know for the for the guests and uh, crew on board so um it's quite an interesting ecosystem on there and you think of the um, complexity the amount of cabling that's there and all the different systems that are required to just keep that yacht afloat and going in uh, the correct direction is uh, is amazing not to mention, yeah, and again, uh, the people side, the um, supply chain as well. So, yeah, that that and those those uh, super yachts are just one huge ball of wound up RF. You know, all the Bluetooth and all the Wi-Fi and everything flying around. Um, so, in the Navy, you know, we deal with systems and security systems, and you know, looking at you know when we're being targeted, you know, throwing up shaft to to distract, you know enemy radar or whatever. Um, and I'm sure that, that there are some onboard uh, defense systems, but it just seems that, that the majority of the, let's say recreational boating and yachting and some of the even more like um, stringent, more like shipping and, and shipping container and cargo shipping uh, seems to be very vulnerable. Um, and it just doesn't seem like those industries are getting the amount of, of attention that they need to be. I know that a couple of years ago, we had a Navy ship that ran into another boat um, and they said it was, uh, you know, a bad navigation or, or an, an issue with the GPS. So here's the thing is that, you know, those ships usually um, don't have mistakes like that, um, which, you know, there could be somebody in the satellite or somebody in the navigation satellite. <laughs> Uh, tampering, tampering with things, which, you know, they've, they've been known to do before. So what would you think would be the biggest threat to an onboard system um, from, let's say, an attacker's point of view? What, what would be the sweetest entry point on a, on a super yacht? Um, well, for straight up would be the, the Wi-Fi as, uh, as the first point of attack. Um, depending on how the systems on board are segregated, um, and what's on those networks. If, if you can crack the Wi-Fi, then you, you've got the keys to the castle effectively, uh, especially for those systems that might be connected. Um, well, one of my colleagues did a, an interesting um, uh, hack that got put in the Guardian newspaper a few years ago, um, whereby, yeah, just came close to the yacht, you know, within maybe 500 meters, picked up the Wi-Fi network, you know, identified the ship straight away, 
within a few minutes hacked the uh, the password. It was using you know um, pretty poor encryption anyway. And from there, he was able to to see bridge systems. Um, he could have shut down the engines. Um, you know, so the Wi-Fi is going to be your, your easiest point in, um, unless maybe you've social engineered your way in and you you plant a device that gives you access, remote access back onto the boat. So you can do that from anywhere outside of the Wi-Fi. Um, but yeah, GPS is a big problem as well. You can spoof the GPS signals and uh, effectively cause the uh, the yacht to go a few degrees off course um, without the knowledge of the uh, the bridge crew. Hey, we lost Mike. Oh, Mike's gone. He's gone. Do you know what? You, you know these yachts have got better internet connection than he has. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, so does your does your company also vet the crew that come in? We were talking about supply chain because I imagine being a super yacht, you've got kitchen staff, you've got weight staff, all that sort of stuff. Do you do you guys only take care of the technical, or do you do uh, crew as well? Uh, crew is something that we can do, and um, it's it's certainly something I would like to look at actually, um, because they're, they're a weak point in the whole chain. And when when I've asked uh, captains about this, how do they vet their crew? They don't have any real way of doing that at the moment. Um, And, you know, they end up, generally the crew are are pretty good, you know, they're pretty solid people, but they do end up with some rogue rogue agents on board in terms of, you know, drink problems, drug problems, uh, other things that, you know, have caused problems when when they've got guests on board at a a particular time. And the last thing you want is uh, one of your crew members breaking down uh, just as a, as a guest <clears throat> coming on board. Or, you know, looking at the grand scheme of things, it'd be ideal for a, a nation state or somebody with a, enough money to plant somebody on a boat. And this is this has got to be one of the risks out there, is that uh, somebody's investing enough money to target a particular yacht or a particular owner, that they put somebody on board, he's there working away for a year, passing information out to the um, back to the outside world, uh, to, to form, you know, a bigger attack. Um, and it's part of what I'm finding is getting the crew that are there managing the yacht to understand that that's a possibility. You know, they all think it's all a bit James Bond and, and that kind of stuff. And I say to them, look, look where you are, man. This, this is James Bond, you know. You're on a $200 million yacht. This, you know, anything can happen. Um, so there's a massive um, lack of awareness. That mindset that um, it won't happen to me is very uh, apparent in the yachting industry. And uh, it's like, well, why would anyone hack a yacht? And, uh, you know, this is one of my favorite questions is, you know, um, and yeah, why would anyone hack a yacht? So the, the answers I get back from uh, chief engineers and the guys running the yachts are, are things along the lines of, well, there's, there's, there's no data on this yacht that a hacker would want. Um, yeah, there's, yeah uh, the system's on board. Why would, why would a hacker want to get into these systems? My guests are not important enough to be hacked. So this was a charter yacht captain. He thinks his guests are not 
um, important enough to be hacked. You're like, well, hang on a minute. Why was I hacked the other day then? If these guys are too, you know, not important enough. So, um, yeah, the, the perception that it won't happen to them is is massive there, and it's slowly changing that mindset. Um, but yeah, it takes time. It takes time. Um, I'll go ahead. So do they pass this information then on to their guests? Or is it just hard enough to get the crews to take this on board? Really, uh, for, for, for starters, it's getting the crews, to, the, the crews themselves to, uh, to understand the threat. So when we do a project with a yacht, we'll do crew training afterwards. Yeah. And uh, that's everyone from the junior deckhand all the way to the captain. So we'll sit down with 15 of the, the crew there in the crew mess, wherever they want to do it. And we'll just do a, you know, it's more of a discussion than a, than a presentation as such, talking about, you know, what those threats are, why anyone would hack a yacht, um, why are the threats to a yacht, and then just find out what they know about cybersecurity. And uh, usually it's the youngest guy in the room sat there with his phone, and he's like, oh, I don't know what malware is. You know, and just, just a few minutes later, he, he's, he's been looking at animal porn or something like that on the ship's network. So... Yeah. You know, yeah, um, it's yeah, it, it's amazing the uh, ignorance, shall I say? I don't use that word lightly. There, there's quite a lot of ignorance towards the, the subject, especially you know you've, you've got an internet connection, you're flowing around on a multi-million-dollar piece of kit, and uh, you've got you know you're sitting ducks effectively. Excuse the pun. So I assume that at shore they're more vulnerable. Out at sea when they they have no connectivity, is it that that satellite connection? How vulnerable is that? Is that pretty pretty locked down? Or usually the satellite connection is pretty locked down. That depends on the uh, the provider. Um, and I know initially the satellite connections were probably one of the uh, least secure areas because you think um, it's like hacking Wi-Fi effectively. If you're in the beam of that satellite, yeah. you can effectively um, listen to all the traffic coming from that yeah. from that beam, and uh, up until recently, I'm not sure how it is these days, but satellite connections were never encrypted, especially in the yachting world, because it would uh, degrade the bandwidth and degrade the performance. So, yeah, until recently, satellite connections have not been encrypted. Now you've got the likes of 4G and um, well, yeah, 4G is, a, is being used a hell of a lot nowadays when ships are in port or close to land. So they're a little bit more secure than the, than the satellite, but, uh, yeah, still presents a risk. Um, and if you've got remote access to a system on board, then, you know, it, it doesn't matter if the, the satellite is uh, encrypted or not, you know. True. Um, with with the um, navigation software, here most of it is... Uh, it's not open. There's no open source navigation software. Do you find that's an issue with like vulnerabilities inside that software? Or potentially, yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you know the the way the International Maritime Organization um, mandates that software is used. There's already strict protocols for for how that's used. So if we look at the navigation system on on a, on board a yacht or a ship, it's um, effectively double redundant you know in terms of the hardware that's in there uh, the procedures that they use for updating the software or the maps 
or the charts, sorry, it's charts, not maps, get that right. Um, <laughs> so these systems, generally, the existing regulations say that they shouldn't be connected to the internet. So, and they use, you know, the idea is that uh, you keep that air gapped from the, uh, from the internet and the networks on board the, the ship. So, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, op open source, there's an argument for, for open source, isn't there? Because then you've got everyone's, everyone's eyes having a look and, and seeing how things are going. But uh, at the same time, a closed system, you know, it's almost the, uh, the Apple versus, uh, well, yeah, Apple versus Linux argument, isn't it, in, in that respect? Um, yeah. You know, each has its, uh, its benefits and downfalls, I suppose. No, but the way the, the way these guys should be updating the navigation system, which is probably the most critical system on board, is um, using the USB stick, formatted USB stick on a particular laptop that's stored somewhere else on the ship, so they can upload the software and charts to that USB stick after it's been formatted, and then pass that to the the ECDIS, to the to the navigation console. Um, I was working with one recently and they're like, no, no, it's fine. We're doing all that. We're following the procedure. And I'm like, great. That's, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. Where's the laptop that you're, you know, using this USB stick with? And they're like, oh, it's this laptop here. This, this laptop that's sitting here with no screen lock. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Right next to the door to the bridge. Okay, let's have a look. So I had a look and uh, the out-of-date windows, uh, no antivirus, firewall not operating. And I said, can you guarantee that this laptop doesn't have malware and they're not inadvertently transferring malware onto the Ectis? No, we can't. So there, there are flaws in the, the systems, you know, that they're, that they're using. So, yeah, there's always a way. Mark, you back? Uh, I'm trying to be back. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> the bad connection here in the mountains. Hey, Mike, uh, I'm, so uh, we, we can offer you... Uh, another question I had, too, is... We can offer you some uh, free internet, free satellite internet, if you want. Oh, that would be fantastic. I, I would <laughs> die for some free satellite internet right now. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah so looking at, like, you know, the vulnerabilities and, and you know, it's really just a floating ball of internet on the ocean. And what I find really cool though, is that there are transactions that take place in those international waters. And that's, that's kind of where my mind goes when it goes to super yacht industry and, and security is how much money takes trade, you know, trades, trades hands in international waters every year. And I'm sure there are other groups of hackers out there that are thinking, hmm, how do I get my hands on some of that, some of that money? So, you know, looking at the, the financial, the, you know, the, the need to protect your personal information, like some of these guys that, that rent these super yachts, um, I'm sure they're advertising, you know, hey, I'm going on a, on a vacation, you know, taking photos of the boat while they're on the boat, you know, even while they're out to sea, right? So you've got the Latin long, you know, the, the coordinates in the photo, if they don't turn GPS off, and probably most of them don't. Um, you have those coordinates. So you kind of have a feeling, you know, you know where the ship's kind of going. If you take, if you look at the photos long enough, and if there's a trail of them, you can kind of put together a map as to where they're going. Um, 
So my, my thought is, you know, once I find out where that ship is going, you know, my selection of, of you know, of attack ship like a Dean or, a, you know, Ribar, you know, rubber, rubber, rivercraft um, to, you know, get away from, you know, the, the radar or whatever. But also once you get up to the ship, so let's say I get within 25 feet, 25 yards, maybe, maybe even more, maybe a hundred yards. Um, what kind of visual uh, systems does a ship have? They have external security systems as far as like video and, and alerting as far as coming within a certain diameter of the ship? Depends on the size of the yacht. Let's, so I, I think there's different classes here. So we've got the biggest yachts in the world owned by, you know, Russian oligarchies, billionaires, these kinds of things. And these guys with a natural paranoia uh, for security, I've, I've got some of the best systems on the uh, on their yachts. You know, they're, they're allegedly on, on some of these big yachts. There's missile systems or anti-missile systems, um, and you you can't get too close. They'll they'll detect you. Um, anti-drone systems as well. Uh, that, that's an area that we we specialize in. But the, definitely the the larger yachts. We're talking maybe you know, 150 meters. I think the largest yacht at the moment is about 160 meters as a crew of around about 70, maybe more. Um, and that's for around about 20 or 30 guests, you know. Um, and some of the infrastructure these yachts have got on board is immense. Once we can't start coming down the scales a little bit, you know, we, we're going 100 meters, sub 100 meters, then these yachts don't necessarily have any systems on board to detect anything that's coming close, not necessarily, you know, let alone anti-drone systems. Um, so you could get pretty close. You'd have to have a, a, a visual from a crew member to, to identify that, I think. Uh, so physically getting close to a yacht, you know, of, of that size, let's talk around about the, the sub 100 meters, uh, which is still substantial anyway. Yeah, it could be, you know, fairly easy. And then if you can spoof the GPS signal, get close enough, spoof that GPS signal and, uh, you know, just give it coordinates that are two or three degrees offset from its current course, then the boat or the, the yacht will change course. The crew don't necessarily know. And then, you know, for however long they're going in a, in a direction or on a heading that they're not, aware of until they think oh, okay i should be in uh in Antibes or can and uh you know the miles away from land so you know half an hour with a couple of degree offset i think you can you know get you know get quite quite in uh quite a different direction to what uh what you should be and uh, that would be the worry i think yeah i think i think that Along with, you know, I, this is another scenario I thought of as well is going to, I'm sure they have in some of these marinas, I've seen it before in like Houston, some of these marinas, they have like open house where you can go and take a look at some of these actual like operational super yachts or whatever, or, you know, other yachts, just a, you know, open house and kind of publicize a marina. So I'm thinking, you know, you go into that public, that open house, drop a couple USB keys, maybe pop a few into a couple consoles and walk away now you're in that, that yacht, wherever it goes and talk about it staff and security staff. I think that, you know, boating probably lacks really badly when it comes to the security staff um, from what I've seen so far. 
So if you don't have somebody on board that can, you know, recognize those points of, of compromise, you know, it could be a bad trip for everybody. Definitely. And um, Ryan and I were just talking about that while you, you got reconnected there, is that the general awareness amongst the crew is is shocking, to be honest. So there's a massive amount of uh, ignorance to cybersecurity threats um, and how that can affect the yacht. So uh, let's not be under any illusions. Some of the biggest deals in the world happen on these yachts in international waters. You know, that's, that's what they're, they're used for. So, you know, dropping USB keys around, um, dropping a, a bug. One of the things we, we also look at is counter-surveillance measures as well. So, you know, uh, us having a GSM, um, GSM SIM card hidden in a, a phone charger, for example, or in a, in a plug socket or something like that. So how do, you, how do you know out the myriad of devices that are on the boat, especially if you've got guests coming and going when you're in port or in the marina and charter guests every week or so, how does the owner not know, you know, how does the owner know that his conversations aren't being leaked out and, uh, you know, effectively being compromised one way or another through, uh, through counter surveillance? So, yeah, definitely. Crazy. Yeah, we, yeah I think uh, <clears throat> we had a, a, a conference the other day, the CISO Alliances Group, and they were talking to different CISOs and, and how they, you know, look at the defenses of their networks. And it'd be interesting to see, you know, what, what goes through a captain's mind, you know, when it comes to security on that ship. Because I think that, and this is just my, my ideas, I think that along with IoT and SCADA, I think that we're going to see some shipping and some supply chain, some physical supply chain um, issues come with cybersecurity. And I think that uh, we've seen in the past, you know, be able to divert, you know, GPSs or, or even shipping big cargo containers by a degree or two. And we've seen that in large planes, like, you know, commercial planes. So it's, it's not that far-fetched, but I think that they're starting to really look at the critical infrastructure and some of the IoT, some of the stuff that really keeps the country going, which shipping is a huge deal. Definitely. Uh, so I, th I think that's probably the next stop. So in fact, the, the shipping industry has already been hit pretty hard just before, around right about Christmas last year, um, there was a cruise line. They had two ships going around, um, you know, and, and during the pandemic, it was unheard of, but they're just about, I mean, cruise industry has been crippled with, uh, with COVID. You've probably seen in most of these uh, ports around the world and, and all these massive ships laid up. So around about Christmas, one company had two cruise ships going around. They're advertising a New Year's Eve cruise. And uh, over the Christmas period, they got hit. It started off with um, IT and communications down. Nobody could work out why. Then they lost comms with the, the office uh, on land. Then they lost all electronic transactions. They couldn't take credit cards, um, credit card transactions. They couldn't scan the boarding cards. They couldn't get people on and off the boat. And um, yeah, this is this is a massive cruise cruise line. You know, thousands of people effectively on the boat, getting ready for its New Year's Eve, um, you know, soirée. And um, yeah, it started off with a ransomware note, and uh, well, allegedly. You know, it's a ransomware note, uh, yeah, crippled the company, you know, and uh, 
I need to follow that up, actually. I'm not sure how they, they got out of it, if at all. But, yeah, they cancelled the uh, the New Year's Eve cruises and, uh, you know, basically just folded for the for the time until they could sort it out. Well, that's, that's a big hit, too, when you look at the, the amount of income just for that. Probably just that cruise is probably huge. Oh, especially at this time of, uh, you know, what we're going through in uh, world economics anyway. That would have been, you know, severe. And just adds to all the other things that are, are going on globally as well, you know. Yeah. And then you look at Maersk, like when, when Maersk got hit, um, you know, it's just a matter of time before that, that perfect storm happens where you have, you know, major shipping uh, thoroughways being shut down because of either ransomware or some sort of um, orchestrated attack. Um, and I find it interesting, you know, we hear a lot about ransomware. Um, so when Colonial got hit today, there was a uh, assumption that it was ransomware. Um, and I guess some of the indicators look like uh, it's ransomware. I haven't heard the latest development on it. Um, but it seems to be a lot of the industries are getting smashed by ransomware. And I'm, I'm not really understand, understanding the, the, the pickup of the ransomware. Like when you look at the Colonial pipeline, um, obviously they're not going to pay a ransom because of probably critical infrastructure. Uh, but just the, the fact that you would attack, you know, something like that with ransomware, it just, uh, it kind of defeats a purpose. Um, but I'd be interested to see the, the satellite security, uh, and some of the, some of the connections on board. So I know that like in the field, like in oil and gas, we use a lot of BGAN and a lot of that technology. Is that similar to what's on, on board on some of the, uh, super yachts? Uh, not so much. I think that the BGAN is quite old technology, if I'm not mistaken, isn't it? Um, yeah. No, it's um, yeah, it's kind of kind of moved on a fair bit from there. Um, it's using um, uh, TDMA technology um, over the satellite link, and you know, generally, it's not encrypted because of the large amounts of bandwidth that are required. I think it was, you know, it's, again, when uh, you were connecting there, obviously the satellite connection is just like a, a wireless network. If you're in the footprint of that satellite, you can effectively pick up the transmissions of that satellite with the right equipment and uh, the right know-how. So effectively you can, you know, see all the traffic that's going on that, that particular pipe, that particular beam. But due to the... I mean, it's already high latency on that um, traffic already. So encryption doesn't really exist on the, the satellite networks. So there is a bit of a risk there. And I know there's been a couple of interesting studies into that in, in the satellite industry in particular, into, you know, um, yeah, just what can you see? How easy is it to do? Uh, and I believe actually in the US, is there not regulations around that coming out? this year or last year in regards to having those communication pipes encrypted now. I'm not sure if um, uh, there was a push for it. I'm not sure that they, that they finalized that, but I know that there was a push for that in the industry. Um, yeah. I'm kind of out of the loop when it comes to us policy. Uh, oh, sure. I was, I was so embedded in London policy that I kind of lost my way there. Um, so one of the things that like we talked about began some of that technology, one of the, the reason why I brought that up is because some of that technology, um, like you can go onto the internet and look at some of these satellite uh, 
um, devices and they have embedded um, credentials or embedded accounts in the device that you can't change or turn off. So I'm curious, like th those type of onboard systems, do they still maintain that same type of, you know, history when it comes to publishing passwords and all this stuff? Um, so I know from the satellite providers side of things, <laughs> um, I mean, the satellite technology is not, not an area I got too in, involved with myself. Um, opting to stay on the uh, terrestrial network side of things. But I do know, having worked for the, the satellite providers, that usernames and passwords on their um, customer premise equipment, it's a lacking. There's a lot of default passwords out there. If you've got the, the antenna control units down to the modems, um, usually the routers are a little more well secured. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of defaults out there. Um, you know, it'd be great if there was a, a Shodan type uh, search engine for that stuff because you, you'd you'd have a field day, honestly. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's all connected to the internet. You know, that's that's not a bad idea. Um, I just need to find a list of those, <laughs> those those distributors for that technology, and I'll I'll put us together a list. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Um, so another thing too, like. When I'm talking about like attacking one of these super yachts, right? So we all know that getting physical access would be ideal. So let's say I'm in a marina. Um, same thing applies, right? So am I going to be able to see these systems like emanating like RF besides Wi-Fi, or is it just is it just that protocol I'm going to see? I don't know. I guess on, on the RF side of things, that, that's an area I need to explore a little further, to, to be fair. But um, I would imagine there'll be certain systems and certain footprints uh, that you can detect via RF. So absolutely. Um, the Wi-Fi would just be one side of it. Um, looking at Bluetooth, you know, some of these systems are using uh, Bluetooth for communicating between different, different components on the systems. So obviously there's a potential weakness there. Um, but yeah, effectively, um, depending on the system, depending on what it's doing and uh, you know the, the footprint is given off, definitely. Because then, then, you know, there are potentially uh, more obscure ways into the, the networks than you, would, uh, than you would expect. So the Wi-Fi being the obvious way in, I'm finding all those devices that are either connected by Wi-Fi or hardwired into the, to the networks. But also, yeah, the, the RF side of things is uh, also a way in. Whether it's the, you know, looking, looking at the, the satellite equipment itself, um, 4G is being used a hell of a lot these days um, for reducing cost and higher bandwidth onto the boats as well. But certainly on a, a component level within the, the yacht, that's definite possibility, yeah. So there's a, a question in the, in the chat box. Uh, Wayne wants to know if most of the larger boats are using NMEA 2000 and their safe bus architecture. Ah, yes, that's a great question, actually. And um, yeah, a lot of the, the boats are using uh, NMEA. I think they call it NMEA 2000 as uh, the way to um, describe it. But yeah, effectively. Um, and again, that's... Uh, that physical bus that you have going around the yacht, how well secured is is that? Um, I was working on one yacht recently where their 
core NAMIA system with all their um, radar equipment uh, was in the fridge room with no kind of access control. And there was, you know, if you've got enough knowledge about the system, then you, you, you've got the right bits to, to plug in there. It wouldn't be too difficult to, to add a module um, giving yourself remote access from that, you know, the mere system, right into the heart of the, the navigation and uh, radar of the, the ship as well. So, um, yeah, definitely, absolutely. So, so, what, so what I wouldn't think the NMEA system. I'm oh, sorry, man. Go ahead, Go ahead. Go ahead. What, what's the NMEA system control? What's its what's its purpose? Basically, it's um, it's. Think of uh, a bus system in a computer. It's basically a, a communications network um, that connects an ethan. Well, a particular type of physical communication system around the, the yacht. So it connects the radar system to the bridge, for example, and carries that, that those signals throughout the boat. Um, and if you can get access to that, then you know you can uh, effectively see everything that the potentially see everything that the captain's seeing on the, the displays on the bridge. So it's fundamental to the operation of, of the yacht. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's maybe the best analogy is that, you know, your computer bus system within your PC is effectively the same thing on, uh, on the yacht or, or any ship for that matter. And uh, yeah. I mean, to me, it, it seems like it would be easy to conduct uh, espionage on one of these ships, you know, be able to look at the, the charter and see when they're leaving and going out to the, the marina and be able to either DOS or knock off their, their Wi-Fi and throw up your own, you know, access points and, and just be able to know what's, what systems are on that ship and be able to mimic those systems on a virtual box. You know, yeah. responding to responding to the requests and, and getting its information, its configurations. It seems like you could really just destroy a ship and, and its operations just before leaving port or going underway. I'm not I'm not formulating this attack in my head and playing this out, but I'm just like <laughs> I'm thinking I'm through it. it Mark, I'll be looking out for it. <laughs> <laughs> if you see me in a wetsuit, there's problems. <laughs> yeah, no, but it, it seems no, like the, there's, there's there. the reality is there. You know? Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's my point is it, it, it seems like most, it goes external for the majority of its operations and the majority of its connections. And so it re relies on satellite RF, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, four main components, and probably maybe a little bit of RF between controls um, if you have remote controls. But so with those four, with those four types of communication, it would be super easy to just stop a ship right in its tracks. Um, even without having to go to the GPS, you could go in through a different part of the Wi-Fi and jump over probably. Now, are the navigation systems and let's say everything else, is, is that air gaps, completely air gaps, or is that a VLAN? Navigation systems, generally they are air gapped. Um, so uh, there's the International Maritime Organization has certain mandates for the electronic systems on board um, all vessels. Well, I say all vessels, all vessels over 500 gross tons and our commercial seagoing boats. So that then, talking about these different categories of yachts, does leave a category of smaller yachts that doesn't have to abide by certain regulations. So, you know, that, that, that's an even more 
interesting target, those sub 50 meters or around about 50 meters where they don't have to abide by international regulations. They can pick and choose as they want. Maybe they're private. But um, navigation system is generally air-gapped. And um, there are standard operating procedures for those that the, the bridge staff will follow. And that's, yeah, the idea is this integrated bridge that you've got is fully redundant. Um, so if one, one system goes down, they've got backup of another, um, redundant antennas, etc., redundant GPS as well. So the hardware redundancy is pretty good. Then there's the idea of keeping that off the internet as well. And, um, you know, on a lot of uh, these yachts, they'll have a laptop somewhere. And I think just as you came in, actually, uh, earlier on, the these laptops are how they get the charts and updates onto the, the navigation, <laughs> the formatted USB stick. But like we said, if that laptop is somehow compromised, well, never mind compromised. If that laptop is not updated, it's not running antivirus, doesn't have a firewall enabled, can you guarantee that that you're not inadvertently introducing malware to the ECDIS or to the navigation system by that laptop? Off the bat, no, you can't. You'd have to check that laptop, you know, and see see what's on there. Not to mention the screen being unlocked as well. So who's been using that laptop? You know, for the first officer whose responsibility is to, to update the charts, that's his responsibility to keep that laptop clean. If he can't guarantee that nobody else has been on there and that it doesn't have any malware, then there you've got a you know potential compromise in the whole in the whole chain. So even though it's air gapped, you know, it comes it comes down to um, you know responsibility of maintaining the infrastructure at the back end of that. Mainly the laptop. Right. So, so when engineering like malware for that specific scenario, I think that in, in my mind, the, the the idea would be to create some type of malware that would destroy the navigational system. Because in my mind, like if I create some type of uh, malware and hopefully it'll be, get dropped onto the navigation system, what are the chances of that navigation system having a connection to the internet or, or legit like IPv4 address? Exactly. So the, the malware, I think that, I think attacks on ships would be more destructive because you would have to rely on, you know, dumping code that would do immediate damage instead of relying on some sort of remote connection. Yeah, absolutely. Imagine if you lose your, you know, the screens that are ever more are relied upon by the crew, whether that's the navigation, the, um, the general health of the, the ship, valves, tanks, um, electrics. If you lose all your screens on the bridge, just just that would cause enough of a, a panic on board. And how do you recover from that? So the the IMO have recently just jumped on, uh, well, not just recently. As of 1st of January, they've mandated that all yachts over the 500 gross tons commercial need to... Uh, take cyber risk management into account. So they need to go through a certain process now and a risk assessment, asset register, what are the key systems on board? Do they connect to the internet? What are the threats? So what are the threats to those bridge systems, for example? Mm -hmm. If you were to lose all your screens on the bridge, how do you rectify that? Or how do you uh, restore the, the safety of the ship? 
and, and stability, you know, and, and get yourself either back to the normal operations as quickly as possible or to a safe uh, position where the, the situation can be dealt with. And uh, I guess if you're, you know, in the middle of a voyage, then, you know, that, that then becomes a big problem. So the industry is slowly starting to wake up to, to those threats and it does seem far-fetched some of these scenarios but uh it's getting people to understand that you know these things can happen um and the longer they're left un, um dealt with or you know lack of understanding of of what could happen then the more chances there are that it could happen to them so you know and if it does how do we get back to um you know yeah, happy days and uh, happy sailing, so to speak. Yeah, I think with ransomware, man, that would be uh, pretty much a, a, a bad deal for the entire ship if they were underway and got hit with ransomware and it affected all the different despair systems. It would be uh, it'd be pretty bad. Uh, I, I know a few yachts have paid um, paid the ransomware and they've been lucky enough to, to get their systems back online. But, um, you know, I, I know in the US it's, it's illegal to... I think it's illegal to pay ransomware isn't it well yeah i mean that the government wants people not to pay ransomware and they're talking about imposing a fine on people who do um but i mean it's it's a whole american mentality of we don't uh barter with with terrorists or whatever um but to me i I think that's a personal choice for the company you know is, is that something they're willing to do or if that's a risk they're willing to take well it's quite a subjective thing isn't it i mean there there was a um engineering company up in Norway that got hit a couple of years ago uh, didn't really have any proper backups to their systems and they they refused to pay the ransom and uh, you know went on years and, and pretty much crippled the company but you know there's the argument there that says well if you pay the ransom you're just encouraging more people to you know uh, try it you're encouraging the criminals um, so really to uh, uh, get out of a ransomware situation you need to make sure all your systems are backed up and backed you're up. following good process beforehand before you get hit but it's not until you get hit you realize oh i should probably have some processes in place to stop that right now i get it you know it's always too late uh, yeah pain pain's usually a pretty good motivator um yeah, absolutely pay enough money and you cause enough pain it usually you know motivates you to do something about it um and i think the u.s is starting to see a lot of that uh, i think they're starting to feel a little bit of that pain and start getting motivated to secure in the critical infrastructure um there was a lot of talks this morning about how much money we dump into other uh industries for cybersecurity, but yet the most critical industry we have and they're still on like windows nt that's a problem um yeah that's that's it so I think with, with maritime, right. So targeting would be key. And I think, you know, just from our discussion now and, and just like looking at the different ins and outs, I think from what I've deduced, the, the, the best way to target the maritime industry is go for, there, there's definitely a threshold where if a ship is a certain size that there's more policies and more compliances to reach. So really the, the personal private yacht use um, that's probably where you're going to find your shadier deals and probably your more lucrative deals because they don't fall under that compliance statute that, that the larger ships do. Is that correct? Uh, that would be one way of putting it. I mean, most 
of the larger yachts are probably private and don't have to, you know, necessarily follow the IMO regulations. Uh, although they, they probably will just out of, you know, safety, but they're not mandated to. Um, but there's definitely a sweet spot there whereby, um, yeah, I would say there's, there's a sweet spot in size and uh, whether the regulations apply to them or not. Uh, and yeah, it's definitely a sweet spot on the, uh, the crew awareness to these types of things. The suppliers and vendors that um, help maintain a yacht, you know, one of, I, I think one of the weakest points for a yacht to be compromised would be in a maintenance period or refit period where the ship's come into a yard, it's in dry dock. Uh, you've then got all the vendors coming in to do their various works. Literally hundreds of, of suppliers are involved in various facets of the actual working of the yacht, not to mention the working of the yacht, but the, also the, the cosmetics of the yacht. So the interiors, the, you know, the kitchens and all this kind of stuff. So for me, a yacht when it's under refit or maintenance and the supply chain, those smaller companies that are working with the yacht. And it's amazing how many small companies are working in the maritime sector, maintaining yachts, whether it's on the IT side of things, you've got uh, a fleet of yachts in this one man in Italy, who's, you know, looking after the, the networks uh, and the entertainment systems on that yacht. And they've never been updated. Um, you know, he, he it's one guy. He's looking after eight yachts globally, and uh, the the updates that have been done on that yacht non-existent. Sitting around with Windows two two thousand and eight servers, um, you know, goodness knows what. So, and that's just the IT side of things uh, when it comes to the you know the engines, air conditioning, stabilizers. The list is massive to the number of people that are involved. So, you know, there's there's in routes there to compromise the yacht absolutely what about the marinas the marinas themselves like how, how reliant are the yachts on the marinas for connectivity uh that's a good question actually um these days with 4g not so much uh one thing i do stress to um yacht captains engineers when they're coming into a marina don't use that free wi-fi that uh, the marina's offering you uh, that is worse, obviously, than the VSAT connection, definitely worse than the, uh, the 4G connection. Uh, but it's there, and uh, people do connect to it. And, uh, you know, in, in Palma, where I'm at at the moment, there's, uh, you know, a couple of companies that are providing uh, Wi-Fi across the marina, and it's, it's maybe four kilometres from, from end to end hundreds of boats out there from various sizes. And uh, yeah, there is, there's a risk there on, on that side of things, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the marinas, I know that growing up as a kid in the, in the Houston area, we lived really close to a bunch of marinas and it would be so easy to take a Wi-Fi sample, especially once the, the you know the guests arrive at the at the yacht, and just take a, a Wi-Fi sample to see what they're trying to beacon out to, what access points. You know, I'm sure you could throw up a Starbucks access point inside the marina, and probably 90% of the guests will jump on that access point pretty quick. 
Um, so yeah, like that, that's my thinking is like inside the, inside the Marina before departure, before underway, when they're loading up and getting those last minute, you know, checks off on the, on the ship, that's when you do your infiltration and you get, you embed yourself in the systems. Definitely. Definitely. When you've got those people crawling on board, um, yeah, why not? And, uh, why not have somebody that's, uh, a crew member that's, uh, you know, working for somebody else clandestine he's been working there for years maybe um could be a deckhand it could be eto whoever he's working for somebody with ulterior motive passing information outside to um a company nation state and uh yeah i mean who's going to be targeting these yachts uh it's going to be people in yeah no absolutely but you know when there is going to be some pretty serious people out there that are going to be targeting these yachts, especially the owners and the information that they've got, um, whether that's to do damage to the yacht or actually do damage to the owner and uh, his business or whatever that might be. You know, there's, there's, a, yeah. there's a bigger situation at play than just hacking the yacht. Usually that owner is going to have some interest from nation state or corporation and it's going to be big bucks behind big bucks follows big bucks you know and it is yeah. there could be almost military operation to to you know get what's needed from that yacht you know well you look at you look at some of the operations in the gulf of mexico and some of the anti-drug operations and a lot of those guys from mexico with the huge huge yachts and the cartels you know, there's a lot of military operations that surround this, that type of uh, that type of activity, um, and the Gulf is full of you know decent sized yachts, and, and we have the um, the shipping industry here as well as like Carnival Cruise Lines. I mean, there's there's like a huge plethora of targets, but with it with the with the yacht owners, you you bring up a good point. So with all of the riders and all the guests that they get on to the uh, yacht. And with all of the business contacts that that yacht owner has, I would think that their email and their connection, uh, anything that we could get into the bridge would be prime because with all the data that's in that owner's email would be insane. Well, it's an interesting paradox as well, Mike, because, you know, the, the people that own these yachts in their businesses, I would say their businesses are probably pretty secure. They've, they've got policies in place. Uh, they've got IT teams there that are looking after things. Maybe they even, you know, do red teaming, blue teaming themselves, whatever it might be, depending on, you know, what the business is and, you know, how about they go, how will they go about that? At home, you know, maybe they've got a bit of uh, uh, security as well, security mm -hmm. team and what have you. But when it comes to the yacht, which is operated as a, as a business, mm -hmm. um, usually outside of the owner's name as well. There's various layers to uh, your ownership. It's a bit of a murky gray world, but those yachts are not really, you'd expect the same security that you have in your business, or you have in your home, and then when you go to your yacht. And the weird thing is, it's almost like the yacht lets the whole triad down in that respect, because there is, <laughs> You know, I think there's a lot that's happened in the yachting industry over the last 10 years. Those internet connections have become, <clears throat> uh, 10 years ago, they were next to nothing. So, you know, 
wasn't an issue. Now I, I heard of yachts that can have 300 meg internet connections on with the right connections. With the right, and these guys are paying big money for, for big internet. Um, but, you know, the way the yachts are run, they, they've kind of been left behind a little bit in the whole cybersecurity world, the whole IT world. You know, it, it, VSAT itself is quite an old technology, you know, it's old, cumbersome, that kind of stuff. So, and when it comes to the IT and the way the yachts are generally managed, in respect to IT and security, they've been left behind. So it's these guys are entering their, their playthings, and uh, yeah, they expect the security to be the same as it is in those two, you know, at home and in business. Whereas in reality, it's it's not. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think we're seeing that during. I think we're seeing that during the pandemic too. The the security that we thought people would have at home working from home is not really sure. the case. Um, so there's three questions that, uh, actually four. Uh, Wayne wants to know, do you think Starlink will improve connectivity and increase their security risk? Um, I have my own take on that. Um, Starlink, I don't think will be a threat or cause any risk other than what's already out there. Um, you're just increasing your connectivity and hopefully increasing speed. Uh, but the biggest thing with Starlink is it's giving us people in the remote areas of the world um, a connection that's stable. <laughs> so don't please please don't stop Starlink. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got to agree with you on that one, Mike. Um, and in fact, Starlink works better on land than uh, than at sea. There are some limitations to uh, to using that on a on a ship. So uh, for the secure well connectivity bound to improve. Security risks? No, I don't think so. I, I think we're at that, you know, precipice of what the security risks are anyway. So I don't think yeah. it'll increase or decrease them. Well, I, I think also too, when we have MS Blaster still cruising the internet and still, you know, in the wild, it doesn't really matter, you know, if it's if the security risk increase or not, because people still aren't taking care of like two thousand one, two thousand two. No, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. the problem. So um, other three, there's three more questions. What sort of tools do you find yourself using to test the security of satellites and super yachts? Generally, um, on the satellite side of things, not really testing. What, I, what I'm concerned with is the, the systems on board. So the main tools that, that we're using, I know one of your favorites uh, will be the first tool is, is Nmap straight out of the box. Uh, we're using Nessus. Um, you know, depending if there, there's applications on board, uh, I like to get into Burp Suite as well. Um, and then, you know, there's just talking as well, using my mouth. I like to talk a lot. So just finding out what, uh, what the crew think about things and, you know, just seeing what's going on. The number of spreadsheets that are out there with, uh, passwords in clear text is is amazing and uh, just just this weekend i'm working on a boat and uh captain's like right okay here's uh is the spreadsheet with all the passwords here's my machine this is the password and you're like oh my god uh thanks so i've now got all the passwords 
to all the systems on your boat, including external accounts. And I was thinking, my goodness, this is this is unreal. But that's not unusual. Uh, one point, uh, I went to visit one boat, and he gave me a, the captain gave me a picture of the spreadsheet. I was like, "Where's the spreadsheet?" He's like, "I don't know where the spreadsheet is now, but he's got the picture." Which he WhatsApp me. I'm like, oh, "Dude, please don't do that." <laughs> uh, but yeah, the main tools I'm using for for that internal testing is, uh, you know, I, I find Nessus pretty good, although it, it's a pretty closed environment these days with Nessus. I know it's kind of had its heyday in terms of the input it used to get being open source. Now I think it's a bit bit closed and it's an expensive tool, but yeah. you know it's, it's still good and uh, pulls up a lot of good results. Also, Nexpose works really well too. The um, the tool from Rapid Seven, it's kind of like mm-hmm. Nessus on steroids. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so it's it's a uh, it's funny to talk about the spreadsheet. Um, yeah, I, I hate to say it, but I think the 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 super yacht and just the yachting in general, like boating commercial boating and just the recreational boating seems to be a huge risk. Um, there's another question. What controls do you find super yachts are lacking in the most? And I think that from, from the stories I've heard so far, it sounds like common sense is like one of the controls that's like majorly lacking. Um, what controls? All controls are lacking. <laughs> All controls. No, that's, yeah, so, I mean, if it goes back to that awareness, doesn't it? So if you're not aware that any controls need to be put in place, let's use the spreadsheet as a great example. Mm-hmm. Having a password manager in place and using strong passwords, that's one control. Are they, yeah. is that control in place? No. So, you know, it's usually the first thing that goes into my report um, as part of doing pen test on board. Um yeah, mo- most of the controls are are lacking. Um, to be, f- can I be fair? Can I turn that round? Um, sometimes they change the Wi-Fi password. Actually, actually, uh, there was one yacht I was on, and instead of the um, SSID broadcast, they uh, used a QR code, which I thought was pretty cool. however that was a yacht i visited two years ago and said look guys you probably want to hide your ssids and change the passwords because they'd used the same password for maybe five years before and the charter guests liked how that when they returned year on year their phone just automatically connected when they arrived at the boat so i'm like let's get a control in for that shall we let's (coughs) go what control, I'm trying to. I'd, I'd like to give an answer to that question. Let me think about that, and uh, I'll come back. But cool. yeah, mo- most of the controls are lacking. So one of our sponsors is from Florida, and I'm sure they see a lot of cruise ships going in and, in and out of, uh, you know, the the Wonderland during the summer. Um, and I, I think it's really interesting that, that you talked about, you know, grabbing a, a crew member. So one thing I found like super easy in pen testing and red teaming is when you go to, you know, some, some staff member that's really curious about what you're doing. If you show them a video of you hacking something, 
they will give you as much information as you need. They will tell you where to go, what to look for, what systems are which, because they just want to see like the effects. It's like magic. They don't care what's happening. They just want to see like the outcome. Yeah. Uh, so usually those guys are usually the easiest to, to solicit. And you can usually find them like in the pre, in the, the pre uh, testing meeting, they're usually the ones with the big eyes and they're like, Oh yeah, I know that tool. I know that tool. So when you actually start the engagement, those guys will usually flock around just to watch it happen because those are your aspiring cybersecurity professionals. So Absolutely. yeah, that, that, that's your, that's usually evil, evil, evil band. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So no, it's, um, yeah, I find that with the, the, the crew as well. I mean, you, you've got some guys that are, are pretty switched on and know a little bit about it. Um, in fact, my favorite crew members, it has got to be the old school captain, the old school captain who keeps everything the way it used to be. You know, he, he, he's got his Wi-Fi network on board, but he doesn't believe in having, you know, an integrated bridge. He doesn't want to connect all the systems on board. He doesn't want the navigation. There's no need for the navigation to connect to the autopilot that connects to the propulsion, that connects to the steering. We can do that, you know. If somebody's looking at their screen, they're not looking out the window, you know. So, yeah, they're my favourite uh, captains. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah, it seems like the uh, yachting industry kind of reflects kind of the, the whole maritime uh, traditional uh, thought pattern, right? So I know in the Navy, you know, the old boatswain's mates, you know, the old salty dogs don't care about anything new. They just want shit to work. Yeah. And I see that a lot in like uh, the new tech. So Emmett says all rigs these days are designing their IACS systems, like their drilling systems to be standalone and prevent internet connection to such critical systems. Do you think that is the right way to go ahead as opposed to expose the systems to cybersecurity risk? I would have thought so, yeah. I mean, why, why would you want to connect your critical system to the internet directly? I mean, it, yeah. surely you have that air gap or you have some <laughs> kind of proxy there that um, you know, protects the system being directly connected. So... Yeah, I, th I think, and that's, well, yeah, that's even more important than uh, than a yacht or ship. These oil rigs and these automated oil fields that they have, um, you know, th there's oil rigs out there that are completely crewless. So surely that in itself is a wonderful target for, <coughs> for attack. Yeah, so, so I've been telling this horror story since so Oh, since when? Since when what? It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a good freeze frame. That eye's gone. Uh, he's back. probably still talking to us. Hey, oh. oh, there we go. He's back. He's back. Welcome back, mate. <laughs> there he is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Disappearing. Okay. So really quick. Um, yeah. So we've been talking about this, uh, you know, back and forth since the beginning of time. Like, you know, do we, do we patch all the vulnerabilities, whether it be internal, external. Um, and really the, the oil industry really has struggled with that. Um, so Rick, you, you know, I used to work with oil and gas quite a bit. And I can say after solar winds, knowing the amount of drilling platforms that had solar winds connected to it, who had other services connected to it, 
it amazes me that we have not had a rig or a drill blow up since SolarWinds um, because all of at least two companies I know, all of their clients that they provide service to rely on SolarWinds for connectivity and monitoring. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can relate with that from, uh, from my time working in oil and gas as well. Um, SolarWinds became an integral part of operating the, let alone the communications link, but, you know, the, the various systems on board and uh, on board the rigs. And, uh, yeah, it, it's amazing that more damage hasn't been done up until this point. Thankfully, it hasn't been done, but... Uh, uh, yeah, solar winds shocking because uh, you know back in the day I, I was a big advocate of, of solar winds and uh, went through quite a few uh, installs myself. And to, to think that later on that's now been fully compromised is like, hey, well, Rick, you 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 said we can install this five years ago. So well, you know, if only I could see the future. But, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> things change quite a bit. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't have any more questions on my side. I think I've got a pretty good plan as to where I'm going to go and attack, but um, yeah, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so anybody else has questions, throw it in the chat and I'll make sure that we get it. Uh, let's see. There's one. Are there any SIM deployed on this networks to monitor traffic and send alerts report event? So basically is there, is there like a mini sock built into these onboard systems or, or, or is there any kind of, alerting to look for events again it's it's an emerging um discipline within the yachting industry so um i don't on board probably a little bit overkill i think we can uh you know we can use an external sock for example so we've, we've partnered with uh, a couple of companies that provide SOC capability, monitoring the firewall. But then, you know, that everything on board needs to be up to date. Their firewall needs to be up to date. Well, hang on a minute. They need to have a firewall for starters. So there you go. There's a lot of yachts out there without the firewall. I forgot to mention that. The firewall needs to be up to date. They need to be running the logs. And, uh, you know, we can effectively monitor the firewall if it's installed correctly and configured correctly. Uh, there, there's certain stuff on the network that we could also pull off. But again, it de depends on those devices being configured correctly. You know, if the timestamps are all out of sync. Uh, yesterday, I was working in uh, 2013, according to the, uh, the switch, the Cisco switch I was on. So, so okay, great. You know, that, that's, that's not going to do anything for your for CM or, or, or SOC. So I think... There's a, there's a case there for it to be done um, off-site and remotely. You know, you don't. The idea is that the the crew, the staff that are running these boats, let's be honest, they, they've got enough stuff to to get on with outside of worrying the, about the integrity of the networks. They just need that shit to work. And that's so, what makes them such a great target. Is exactly. that's all they're concerned about? Exactly. So. Yes. You know, there's there's something there to be said to you know take take that um, piece away from them. You know, they're probably not going to do it properly anyway. So let's uh, let's do it for them and uh, you know ensure that it's done remotely off site, and then they can get a phone call 
when Mike's gone to their systems, then we can give them a phone call and say, hey, did you realize, you know, Mike's doing God knows what in your networks? And they'd be like, yeah, we did realize, you know, the bridge screens have just gone off. So <laughs> replace with Mike's uh, picture. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. That, that would be too alerting. We'd have to do something <laughs> a little bit more uh, believable. <laughs> no, but I, I watched this uh, TV show on A&E or uh, Bravo. It's called Below Deck, right? It's about the, the staff from these super yachts that go like they work these seasonal jobs and, and become uh, like a staff member, crew member, part of these uh, big yachts, take care of these rich people. And, you know, I'm, I'm watching this show and I'm watching them go through the boat. I'm seeing all the cameras in the boat and, and seeing all the systems. But the way that they conduct their business on that ship online and, and to the masses on TV is ridiculous because they have internet running 24 seven. Um, there are video phones that, that aren't protected at all. Yeah. And they talk about, there's a couple like uh, episodes where somebody's like looking through, they're going through the ship's Wi-Fi on their laptop or phone and getting compromised. And it's like, you know, as much money that sits on that ship as an owner, I would think that my first thought, and this is just, I guess this is just like someone from it going, you know, if I owned a ship, my first thought would be buckle that shit down because it's so wide open, but seeing how, you know, the, the, the guests can go out onto the dock and go to the end of the pier and like still be connected to the ship's Wi-Fi, I was like, yeah, that, that's, that's an industry. Oh, yeah. I, I, um, I was on, well, I wasn't on a yacht. So I was, I was working with one particular yacht. And he just installed a new Cisco access point on top of the mast. <laughs> so you could get the back deck covered. He's already got 20 old access points covering the, the various parts of the yacht, 70 meter yacht. And uh, he bought the most powerful access point he could to cover this back deck. And I swear to you, half a kilometer away, you can pick up the SSID for that thing. Wow. The, yeah. the yacht was almost a diamond, you know, <laughs> still picked up the SSID. And the ETO's like, yep, done a good that's, job there. And that, that's what really sparks my mind, right? So when you look at some of the technology that we developed in the past, like the Bluetooth sniper rifle and the Wi-Fi sniper rifle, it with that design, you don't have to be near that ship. You can be off past, you know, visual, visual uh, recognition and pick up the Bluetooth and Wi-Fi with those devices. Definitely. So really, it, it wouldn't be too far-fetched to trail one of these super yachts and really just drain them every day of data, of any kind of... Because, you know, people on, on, on board are going to be making transactions. You know, it, the chances of you catching a credit card number or some kind of banking details from that oh, network just have, is huge, huge. Just have Wireshark running there, you know. That's one going back to the uh, the tools I find myself using. So first thing I do when I when I got on board the yacht is uh, is just fire up Wireshark and see what's 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 going on. Uh, usually when I'm on board, there's not too much happening in terms of you know activity. But uh, yeah, just have a look at Wireshark and see the types of traffic that are going through the networks. And uh, on, the, on the wireless side of things, the uh, I know we've spoken about it before. The the pineapple, mm -hmm. that's in uh, that's in my bag every time. Just uh, you know, yeah, I got the uh, the field the the tactical version of the pineapple, the pineapple nano, the tetra to like stick in the bag like super short. 
Um, and we, we carry antennas with us wherever we go. We have a ton of antennas. But yeah, like I, I think that's really cool. I think that, you know, as far as the next industry you get into, I think it's a really interesting industry um, that a lot of people tend to pass up that they don't, you know, it's not advertised quite a bit for people getting into security, that that's a, an opportunity. So given that, you know, people that, that are looking to get into cybersecurity, what would be your best advice to get into, you know, to bring them into the super yacht security industry? Well, you know, you've got two industries there that are very difficult to get into. Um, I, <coughs> shit. Yeah, I, I find myself very lucky, very fortunate that I'm in, in, in both industries. If we start with cybersecurity, um, you know, the route I've taken is via the network world through, through telecoms. And I found that's complemented the skills I've needed in cybersecurity really well. Um, so, you know, if, if you're coming at it from an IT or network side of things, I think that helps. Going straight into cybersecurity, I, I still, I think you need a, a base foundation um, to, from which to build upon uh, to get, you know, the, the wider cybersecurity ethos because a lot of it is is technical you've got 50 percent social engineering 50 percent yeah literally technical so i think coming at it from one of those angles is, is probably the best ones well it's how i've found uh the way to get into the yachting industry uh maybe that's going to be even more difficult i would say so building up a business, well, getting into the yachting industry to start with, very fortunate. found myself working for a satellite company that focuses on the yachting industry, one that calls itself a boutique satellite company. Um, so, yeah, very fortunate in that respect. And then building up a cybersecurity business within that sector, wow, that's been even more, more challenging uh, because the guys on these yachts. First of all, they want to know who you are. The circles are pretty small within the yachting sector. So you need to get known. And, uh, you know, if you, if you don't own a yacht or you're not already working on a yacht as a, as a captain or crew member, then you know, it's, it's very difficult to, to get into that industry. So I think if you want to get into that industry, cybersecurity wise, you need to have obviously the cybersecurity bit first but then live somewhere where there's there's yachts, or come and talk to me, and I will uh, I will help. Or hijack a yacht, and we'll take you from there. Absolutely, <laughs> I was going to say own a yacht, but I, I prefer hijack a yacht. Definitely, let me know when you do that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so, any other questions for Rick? Uh, throw it in the chat. Ryan, do you have anything else? No, I'm good, man. Oh, actually. The, I wonder if I could ask about the dro anti-drone technology you use. Yeah. Uh, so we've actually, we've partnered with the uh, Australian company um, drone to drone? provide that. Uh, it's a company called Force Pro. Well, Drone Shield, Force Pro. Um, yeah, I can, give, I can give you more information. If you want some contacts, let me know. Uh, again, it's still uh, quite a new thing, especially to the smaller yachts. The technology is quite expensive. 
uses a combination of uh, jamming and, uh, well, yeah, frequency blocking and, uh, you know, making the network busy. So it's a bit of a gray area. I think, I'm not sure if it's FDA approved for the US side of things, although they do have a US <coughs> affiliate. But uh, yeah, so the, the way I've built uh, Pelham Consulting is uh, through key partnerships. So we've got the drone partnership, we've got a SOC partnership, and uh, we've found that's the best way to build a business in order to provide the best service. So we've got guys out there already doing a good job of what they do in various facets. We come in, we provide the pen testing, the, the risk assessment, crew training and awareness, uh, which you know we pride ourselves in. How do we offer the full security portfolio as a company that's only existed for two years and just you know three or four of us? We bring in you know other companies and, and provide that, that whole umbrella of services. So um, yeah, for me that's that's especially this day and age, I think and in cybersecurity is the best way to to build up a strong business and a portfolio. Make friends. Yeah, I was yeah, I was I was really shocked when we went to the pub and, and you were telling me what you did for, for a living and that, that you tested super yachts for security. I thought Oh man, I've been in the wrong industry for so long. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's an interesting world, and uh, yeah, I mean, just just today on a on a yacht. So, but yeah, for me, it's, it, let's let's get the guys on board up to speed with with what they need to do to protect the yacht, protect their not only protect their data, protect the owner's data, and um, make sure they do a good job at it. Cool. Well, I appreciate it, Rick. And I, I appreciate you coming on to the show. Like that means a oh, lot thanks to me. For having you know, me. It's been great. Honor. Yeah. We've been friends for a while and I figured, you know, this, this industry needs some, some spotlight because it's a really interesting industry and it's really new. So it, good opportunities for everybody. Um, everybody knows that we run everything off of donations. So we have the Patreon um, on the website, also um, the discord server. So if you're not part of either one of those, let one of us know and we'll pass the information. Um, also, this will be broadcast on TechStrong TV probably in a couple of weeks, uh, broken down into three different episodes. And I appreciate those sponsors along with everybody else. So another piece of housekeeping I wanted to follow up with that I had some good news for you guys that I wanted to wait until the podcast to let you know. So Range Force is um, partnering with us with their, uh, their product, their platform. And what they've talked about is we're going to build a kind of a SCADA IoT ICS type environment through virtual machines for testing, for hacking. Um, so any pack or, or access that's sold through Range Force, we'll get a percentage of that if we build that, that piece of it. Um, the ICS. So there's, there's a good opportunity there and they're, they're really good sponsors. We're also looking to get to Vegas in July and we possibly have sponsors for that as well. So that will be a 24 hour marathon podcast from the Florida DEF CON for two days. It's going to happen. Um, also there is an opportunity that I'm, I'm, I'm working with right now with a, uh, a comic company that might help us with uh, some advertisement and get involved with the community as well. Um, they're called Cyber Comics, so you might want to check them out. 
Anyways, that's it. Uh, if any of you want to write articles um, under the Haunted Hacker banner and put your name on it, uh, we're going to be putting together a bulletin that's going to come out once a month with security awareness, uh, new exploits, and the most current um, release of patches and CVEs uh, for the industry. Um, we've got a, a really good group of people that have a ton of experience. Now it's time to take that experience and that knowledge and give it back. So we're going to do the, the bulletin, do it for free uh, to start out with, and then we're going to charge a subscription to help keep the podcast going. Sorry to be so, up for that, Mike. That's Cool, cool. I, I, I appreciate it. Um, I think uh, Ravensec is also signed on to write an article. Anybody else who wants to write an article, please email me at hauntedhacker2121 at gmail.com. Let me know what you're writing about. Give me a headshot. Give me a name to pawn it, and we'll put it in the uh, bulletin. Um, and your name will be attributed to it as well as the Haunted Hacker. Um, and that'll be pushed out to the whole community through LinkedIn and through other social media. So that's it. Um, thank you guys for another great podcast. And I'm glad that I was able to stay connected for the majority of the time, which <laughs> good news with that is we're going to get a better connection and it's been promised to me. So we're just waiting for that to fall through. Um, anyways, you guys have a great week and I will see you next Saturday. Rick, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Thank Cheers, you. Guys. Cheers guys. Cheers guys.